that should always be just a great reminder for us that we are called to give sacrificially. It's supposed to hurt just a little bit. That's between you and God and what that looks like. But let us give back to Him now our attention and our time as we open His Word and continue in our our study of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, And so in just a few minutes we'll turn to it, but it is Mark chapter 4. And it's verses 35 to 41, just a short section today. Uh, And this is a continuance of our series in the Gospel of Mark, which we call The Way of Jesus. And hopefully you've seen that connection already, because Mark writes in a very um, quick and abrupt, sometimes manner. He used that word immediately a lot. And so uh, he wants to get on the way. He wants to, to get to that part of the story that he spends most of his time on, And that is the last week of Jesus' life. And so as he's recounting the stories and the parables and the teachings and the miracles, he's doing so in a way that keeps us moving. So we want to do that this morning as well. But our passage for this morning is that very familiar story of Jesus calming the storm. And uh, it's, it's just a few verses, but I think it is so packed with truth about who Jesus was claiming to be. But then, of course, how we can apply it to our lives, what Jesus was teaching his disciples and what we are to learn. Because let's remember this, that theme of the gospel of Mark is all about discipleship. You hear me use that word every Sunday, discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? A disciple means a follower, one who is committed to follow. And, you know, Jesus just recently in our reading of Mark called 12 to be his smaller group, to bring them with him in a more intimate teaching setting. And today is no different because he calls them to go out on a boat so that he can then get to the other side. It's pretty simple. He wants to go to a different place and we'll see what happens along the way. But you know, we are in the middle of hurricane season. You know that? No, thank God we haven't had one here yet, right? There's been a few out in the Atlantic and Pacific already, but I believe it's June and November that is the hurricane season. And uh, hurricanes, if you didn't know, I found it's very interesting. I was watching a show about this last night. Do you know where hurricanes actually start? Pretty much all the hurricanes that hit the United States, especially on the East Coast, they all originate from one place, and that's the Africa, the Cape Verde Islands off the west coast of Africa. It's just an amazing thing how the, the, the dry uh, air from the deserts of Africa come over this little island nation. It's an archipelago, and uh, there's a lot of mountainous terrain in these islands, and so there's a lot of moisture from the lush vegetation, of course, from the warm waters there, and, and so the dry air kind of meets all of that moisture coming up, and it starts to form uh, in the valleys of these islands, and starts to rise up, and then from the spin of the earth, it starts to move these, these clouds in rotation, and then as it gets blown out to sea, they pick up all kinds of moisture. It's pretty amazing. Now, some of them all obviously fizzle out, some of them go a little bit further, and some of them will come right this way. And we know, I think it was five years ago that Hurricane Sandy came, it was just is just like, you know, just the, the, the perfect storm in a sense, a combination of things. But isn't it amazing that all the hurricanes that we experience here, they all originate from that one place. So the question for us this morning is, where do the storms in your life originate from? 
The storms in your life, where do they come from? Now, they can come from different places, but I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Because, you know, hasn't it seemed like the weather pattern we've been in that you look at, the, you look at your weather app and it says that there's like a 50% chance of storms today? Every day it kind of says that, and it seems like more days than not, at least down here, we really haven't gotten much of it. We've gotten some rain, but not those storms. You know, every once in a while, we like a good summer thunderstorm, right? And sometimes I get really disappointed because you hear a little bit of thunder and some lightning, and then just it kind of passes, and I get really frustrated because <laughs> you want that good storm, you know? But at least we get to see those storms. You know, I had a friend who lived in San Diego where it's like always 75 and sunny, and he said the, the best job in the world would be, the, would be a, a weather person in San Diego. Because you just kind of get on the news each day and say it's going to be uh, you know, sunny with a high of 75 today and back to you. And then that's it, right? And that would be beautiful. And, and so, but here we get to experience the seasons and the storms. But it seems like recently there's been a chance of storms every day. But isn't that kind of like our lives? That it can be sunny. We praise God for that. But every day there's a chance of a storm. Sometimes the storms are pretty bad. Sometimes there's a lot of lightning and thunder and a lot of chaos and a lot of rain. It can be torrential at times. And sometimes the storms come and they threaten and then they pass. But it's a lot like life. Have you ever been caught in a storm, like an actual storm? Out on the sea, out on the boat, somewhere, maybe driving. I remember one time we were driving down to Florida. Actually, this was back in, I guess it was 1999. And as a family, we were moving down to Naples, Florida. And so what we did is we rented a 24-foot Penske truck, you know those yellow trucks, right? And, but we also had two cars, and so we had one that was being driven, and then we had another one, we put it on a flatbed. So I was driving, I was, I was pretty crazy, I think, that they actually allow you to do that, you know? You don't even need a special license for it, and so they just give you the key, and here's a 24-foot truck filled with thousands of pounds of your stuff, and there's actually a trailer that you put the car up on, you hook it all up, and they trusted me to do all that. That was pretty crazy. And so we get on the road to drive all the way down to southwest Florida. And so here we are driving, and of course, you know, the one thing in the back of my mind is whenever we have to stop for gas or a bathroom break or for the night, where am I going to pull in with this huge truck and this trailer? Because the last thing you want to do is have to back up, right? And so I'm thinking of that, but then of course... We're getting through, it must have been in one of the Carolinas, or maybe it was even actually when we got into Florida, I think, we got one of these summer storms. Have you ever been in one of those summer storms down south where it's just pouring, pouring rain, and you can't even see like 10, 20 yards in front of you? So here we were, we're on this highway going 65. I, I tried to go faster, but they put a governor on it, on the truck. He can't go faster than 65. And so I'm going, and you know, we got the trailer, and it starts to pour rain. And all these cars are passing by, and I'm just trying to just stay on the road, right? And the wipers are going as fast as they can go. And I'm, and I'm going, all of a sudden, I feel like a little tug, like something's going on. I don't know what's happening. And we see this car come up next to us, right? And they're kind of like, they roll down the windows, it's pouring rain. They're like yelling at us for something's going on. I don't know what's going on. And somehow, I remember Claudia said, yeah, I think they're saying something about a tire. And it was one of the tires on the car trailer blew. And so here I am trying to be in the storm, right, just trying to survive, and here one of the tires blew. And so then I looked in the rear view, I looked in the side mirror, and I could see it kind of fluttering around there. And you can see the trailer going like this. It's not good. 
right? That's a, this is not good. And so I tried to just to get over to the right lane. I was like, where are we going to get off? So we got to get off the next place. And then, of course, I'm just trying to navigate the traffic in the rain and trying to figure out, okay, once we get off, where am I going to pull in? Because I do not want to have to back up. So we, we pulled into this, this big hotel restaurant and said, trucks welcome. I said, thank you, Lord. And so we pulled in. We had to call AAA. You know, we called the, the, the Penske truck company or whatever. And long story short, they sent another truck with a trailer, replaced the trailer, took the car off and all of that. But what a storm that was. Not only just trying to drive through the torrential downpour, get around all the other cars, but we blew a tire. We all have experiences like that in life, right? When we can just recognize that there are storms in our life. And sometimes they are pretty drastic. So in our passage today, we see Jesus and the disciples are caught in a storm on the sea. That Jesus kind of tells them after a long day of teaching, remember from the boat, he was teaching the crowds on the beach because there were so many people pressing in. At the end of the day, he tells his disciples, come on, get in the boat. There were some other boats there. and We're going to go to the other side. We're going to go. Then the storm comes up. And so as I read it, what I'd like to do is then just kind of highlight three main things from this passage that we should glean about what it looks like in going through adversities in our own life. The storms that God will allow sometimes in our lives and how we can approach it, what we can learn from the disciples and, of course, from the Lord Jesus and his reaction to the storm when they were out to sea. So here's what it says. This is in Mark 4, 35 to 41. And remember, this is that day when he was teaching from the boat to the crowds on the beach. So it says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. That's to the other side of the the body of water they were in. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. You get the picture that they're all kind of getting in a boat and other boats, and Jesus is in the boat, and they're about to go. He said, come on, and they followed him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So he awoke and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And so the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Isn't it amazing? They were first afraid at the storm. Then it says they were even more afraid at Jesus and the power that he displayed. So I just want to look at three things from this passage. I want to look at what we learn about his presence. Jesus in the boat, the disciples being with him what that means for us. But not only His presence, but His power. The power of the Lord Jesus over the winds and the waves, over the fears of the disciples, but over our storms of life as well. And then, of course, the promise 
What do the words of God promise us about the storms of life? So first of all, about the presence. Let's make sure we get this straight. Jesus was with the disciples. You see, Marcus is recounting this story. He gives a lot of detail. He probably learned it from Peter, right? First-hand account. And so he's saying that they got, at the end of the day, Jesus says, come on, we're going to go to the other side. And so they left the crowd that he was teaching, and they took him with him. So they, all, they got in the boat and the other boats, and they took off. So here's the first thing to notice. They were with him. They were in, this is really important, they were in the will of the Lord. Because they obeyed. Jesus said, come follow me, get in the boat, let's go, and they did. So they not only followed him, they were actually in the boat. Now I remember a long time ago we went down to visit some of Claudia's relatives in Miami and her uncle has a boat and we were out on the boat. I had been on a boat in a long time. We went way out to sea. Now some of you are used to that. I was not used to that. When you start seeing the the land, you know, go in the distance and you start a little nervous. But listen, but I had full faith and trust in her uncle because he had been the captain of his boat, owned his boat for a long time. He knew what he was doing. But I was helpless. I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, I could fall overboard pretty good, right? I could swim and tread water. I had my, my big orange floaties on, you know. I was looking pretty cool sitting in the back of the boat. But hey, I wasn't taking any, you know, any chances. But but I trusted him. I trusted him. And so, so the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. And you would think that they would trust him. There would be no other better place to be than right there next to Jesus. Don't we think about that in our, the storms in our lives? Like, we just want to be right there next to Jesus. Just, Jesus, hold my hand through this. Be right there. So they were in his presence They were with Him. They were in His will. So here's something we can take from that. It is very possible, and this teaches us this, to be in the center of God's will, to be walking in the will of the Lord, and still experience a storm. What that means is very simply this. Don't let anybody tell you that once you start following Jesus, that life is good. And that if you're going through trials and tribulations, that must mean that your faith is weak and that you've done something wrong. Because here are the disciples obeying the Lord in His will right there next to Him, and there's a storm. And there's a storm that comes up, and God is allowing the storm. Is not Jesus the Lord over the waters and the waves? We're going to see that in a moment. He proves that. But here they are, the disciples are in His presence, walking in His will, yet there is still a storm in their midst. Also notice this, they were very selfish in their approach to God, and I think we can relate to this too. So here they are, they're so worried about themselves, it says that the waves were crashing over so the boat was already filling can you picture that? Never happened to you? There's water coming in. You're like, this is no good either. There's water coming in the boat. The water's supposed to be outside the boat, not in the boat. And so they're all worried and, of course, afraid. The storm is kicking up. Storms can be very terrifying. So they go back to Jesus, but not to warn him or to say, Jesus, let's do something. Or Jesus, be careful, be aware. We don't want you to drown. No, they go back to Jesus, the back of the boat, and he's sleeping, and they say, how come you're not doing anything about it? Don't we approach God the same way? 
we go to God in the storms of our life and you know what we do is we just say, God, how come you're not doing anything about this? We're in his presence. He says he's always with us. But yet we come before God and we say, God, have you abandoned us? Do you not notice what's going on around us? And that's what they're saying. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever said that to God? God, don't you care that I'm perishing here? That I'm being crushed and pressed from all sides? Have you never just shaken your fist at God? We see David do it all the time in the Psalms, doesn't he? Let me tell you this, church. God is big enough to handle your cries out to Him. God is big enough to handle that in the times of life when we need to recognize that there is a storm and we come before Him just crying out, God, why are you allowing this? Maybe you even understand the reason for the storm. Maybe it's something that you did. There's a consequence to your actions. But you say, God, why is this continuing? God is big enough to hear your cries. He's big enough because He's the God of the storms. He's the Lord over the winds and the waves in our lives. So let's remember that we are in His presence. But yet the apostles, the, the disciples, they come to Him just so selfishly, we're going to perish. What are you going to do about it? Why are you letting this happen? We do the same thing. See, following Jesus does not guarantee that the waters of our life will always be calm, of course. And during life's storms, if we focus too much on the problems, we can lose sight of the promises. We'll look at the promises in a moment. There are situations that overcome us, that overwhelm us, different crises. Sometimes we feel helpless in that situation. Circumstances being out of control. Can you imagine the disciples out on the boat? Many of them were fishermen. How about that? They had experienced storms before. Storms where they were were very routine. They knew about these storms. They could come out of nowhere just like this one did. So they were accustomed to it. They had been out in storms many times. And here they are with Jesus. And they feel like everything is out of control. They go back to the, the back of the boat. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Have you ever felt like God is asleep when you're going through a storm in your life? Did you ever ask God, God, do you care? Well, here's the second thing. Not only... Were they in his presence? But he had power. He had power that they had not even recognized yet. And that is so important for us to realize the power of the living God that we serve. See, they knew he was the Messiah. After all, they were following him, weren't they? He said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They followed him. They believed in him. Then they chose to be a disciple and to follow him. So they knew he was Messiah. But here's what they were missing. This is so important for us to make sure we understand Jesus is God. They had not recognized yet that He had the power of the one true God, the God Almighty. Why? Because He is that God. See, back in the Old Testament, which all the disciples would have known, the power over nature, and this is important, the power over nature was only to God and to God alone. Not the prophets. Not even as they understood, the Messiah to come. But God and God alone. 
So for Jesus, who all along we've been reading it, has been proclaiming by his actions that he, in, in fact, is God, he's doing the same thing here. Jesus has the power. They did not recognize it. Do we miss in our lives when we're going through storms that God is the one with the power? Do we try to calm the winds and the waves ourselves? Don't we just make it worse when we try to fix it? If you have a big hole in the boat and you put some tape on it, not going to quite work, is it? We do that in our life, don't we? We kind of just try to put like some duct tape on some things and Say, God, it's okay, I got it from here, I'll I'll take care of it. But in the storms of life, who's the one with the power? God has the power. We think that we know Him, but the more we open His Word, the more we come before Him, even in those great storms in our lives, that's when we truly get to understand and trust in His power. See, Jesus spoke to the storm. That's the power. That's the power of God's Word. Did you ever think about that? It says right here, it says He awoke, He rebuked the wind. How? He said to the sea, be still. He spoke to it and said, be still. Now here's an interesting thing, the way that we can interpret this passage. Something that I do think is important. It's very possible that the word that's used here, be still, okay, in the Greek, it's really the same words that are used to describe Jesus casting out demons, which he's going to do in the next passage, and that's for next week. Why is that important? Because that word for sort of being still, like coming out of, like calming down, like stop being so crazy to the winds and the waves, stop possessing this, the winds and the waves, it's the same words and terminology used what Jesus says to the demons that are possessing somebody. So perhaps, not sure, perhaps Jesus is saying that this storm is being caused by the enemy. See, we were just out on the boat and it was nice and calm. But you know what? When things are going great, let's remember there's always that chance of a storm. But you know what? That doesn't have to be bad news. Because what does it do? It forces us to run to the back of the boat and say, Jesus, can you help me? It brings us back to him. So perhaps it was an attack of the enemy. We have to recognize where do our storms come from? All these hurricanes come from the west coast of Africa. Perhaps there's storms in your life right now that are being caused by attack of the enemy. Maybe it's from your own, you know, your own decision making. Maybe it's just something out of your control. Maybe it's from a sin. But the point is, it's very possible that a storm in life can be caused by our enemy trying to distract us from being right in the boat with Jesus, right in the center of His will. That is exactly where the enemy does not want us to be, in the boat with Jesus. And then finally, His promises. The third point. His power is in His Word, but His Word gives us promise, doesn't it? His Word gives us promise. So He says to them, After he calms the winds and the waves, he says, why are you so afraid? And then listen, he says, have you still no faith? Look at that word still. Why would he say that? He doesn't just say, how come you're afraid? How come you don't have faith? He says, this is so important. Why do you still have faith? Why would he say that? Why would he say still? Because he had been teaching them. 
He had been walking with them. He had been showing them. He even called these 12 to be closer with Him. He's been showing them what it looks like to trust in Him and have faith. And He even said, come get in the boat with Me. They were in the boat with Jesus and they were still afraid. And Jesus says, why do you still not have faith? I am with you. I will be with you always. Did not Jesus tell His believers, the church, He said, when I go, I'm going to leave you the Comforter. God is with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. He says, and you still don't have faith? We can all look back in storms and trials and tribulations in our lives where God has rescued us and God in His timing has calmed the storms. But yet another storm comes up and we run to the back of the boat. Jesus, why are you doing this? And Jesus says, still, you don't trust me? Still, you don't have faith. I have shown you that I am with you. I have shown you that I have that power. His promise is that there is beauty after the storm. There's a beautiful sky. Did you ever notice that? After a big storm runs through, then you kind of got to look out and you see this beautiful, this beautiful sky, all kinds of colors, and the blue sky starts peeking out. It's beautiful. Listen, there's always hope. There is always that beautiful sky after the storm. Jesus and His Word is our promise. Psalm 34 says that God is close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. What a promise for us during a time of a storm. Do you remember what we read when we went through the book of Acts towards the very end of Acts in Acts 27 that Paul was out on a boat with some others and there was a great storm? Do you remember that? I just want to read just the last portion of that to you and point something out. What Jesus was also teaching His disciples. In Acts 27, starting in verse 21, it says this, Since they had been without food for a long time, right? they were out on the the ship in the storm, Paul stood among them and he said this, Men, you should have listened to me and have not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss right? because of the storm. But yet now I urge you to take heart. See, they're in the storm and Paul is saying it's all good. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. You see what he's saying? He's saying, God promised We're going to get there. The ship might wreck, but we're going to be saved. There might be damage around you, collateral damage, but you will be fine. But then in verse 27, he starts with saying, when the 14th night had come, and just stop right there, (laughs) when the 14th night had come. Think about that. Paul is saying, you know what? God says it's going to be all good. An angel come and he, he promised me that. So we're okay. We can have peace during this storm. And then it says, when the 14th night had come. You see, salvation and rescue didn't come right away. God promised it 14 nights later. Does that ever feel like that in your life? Do we trust in the timing of God and His power over the storms in His presence, but His promise 
that He will always be there with us. Look at some other uh, passages from Scripture. We need to let God speak to the storms in our life. Jesus spoke to the storm and He said, Peace, be still. God can speak to the storm in your life if you let His powerful Word do it. Joshua 1.9, just want to read these quickly. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a promise to Joshua. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Don't be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we feel like that water is just overcoming us and we're drowning, God will lift us up. And hold us up in His righteous right hand. Zephaniah 3, The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. And He will exalt over you with loud singing. He's with you. Matthew 28, 20. Right? When He gave them the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe everything He commanded. He said, Behold, I am with you when? Always. Even to the end of the age. Till He returns. Romans 8, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Written by Paul, the same one who was out on that boat during that storm, the one that we read from Acts. So how do we face adversity, the storms of life? With trust in His presence and His power? And His promise, which comes from His Word. See, the disciples, they awakened Jesus out of fear, but not faith. If they had had faith, they would have awakened Jesus and said, Jesus, um, there's a storm going on, but we're sure you can do something. And so, okay, let's see it happen now. You know, something like that, right? They awoke Him out of fear. Jesus, what are you going to do? How about we approach God with faith? God, I know You can But will you please now? That's a good thing to pray. God, I trust you. And I know your timing's perfect, but I want to tell you, God, from child to father, now would be a good time, please. That's okay. He's our Heavenly Father, isn't it? That's what He wants to hear. So come before Him. Let Him know when things are getting out of control. Recognize Things are out of control from our perspective, not God's perspective. Jesus was asleep in the boat. Right? If God wasn't worrying, they shouldn't worry. One storm, they were all in the storm together in the same boat. Two very different perspectives and reactions. See, God's timing, His power, His promise, His presence, it's all perfect. Even when it seems He has forgotten us, He is faithful. He is faithful to calm even the worst of the storms of life. He never promises to explain it all, but He does promise to be with us. You know that old great poem of footprints, right? We always see the the two sets of prints, God walking with us. Then all of a sudden there's one set of prints, God, where'd you go? He's right here carrying us. Sometimes we need that, to recognize that. That it's faith over fear. Fear is okay. Fear is natural. But what we forget often is that God is supernatural. Right? That means He's above and beyond nature. He created it. He can control it. 
So anything we experience is within God's power to handle. There is nothing that is out of His control. Remember, He came, Jesus did, talking about the kingdom that He came to offer. Remember, we went through the whole story and looked at how the enemy, Satan, usurped the authority from Adam as God's representative on the earthly kingdom so that the enemy now has rule over this world. But God still has ultimate reign because remember, He promised way back in Genesis that He would have a solution to the problem, that He would send the Redeemer one day to take control. It was His, Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross, His bodily resurrection from the dead that won that battle for the earthly kingdom and the promise that He will always be with us to daily claim that victory. And we can claim that victory every day. For even though that full effect of sin and power, the power of sin... Um, and of the enemy has not been fully vanquished, for we still sin, don't we? Jesus promised His return to do just that. That's why His return is our great hope. So we are in the age of grace now, church, which means that we need His power over the natural everyday occurrences to conquer our fears. It's His power, His presence, and His promise that does it. So church, He's working in the storms in your life. You might not see it. You might think He's asleep in the back of the boat. But He is working. He will allow the wind and the waves sometimes to crash over you. Even to come into the boat. It's okay. Pray. Cry out to Him. He's your Father. Tell Him how much you're hurting. How afraid you are. Tell Him that the pain sometimes is too much to bear. And to bear alone. When it feels like the walls are closing in, pressing and crushing around you, call in His promises, Psalm 34, that He's close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. I'd like to end our time with this, um, time in the Word with this illustration. You know, we, um, Claudia and I, we we were planning uh, what we would do for our 25th wedding anniversary. That was a couple years ago. One of the ideas we had was to fly out to San Francisco and then take uh, some time to uh, go to the Napa Valley region. And have you ever been there, Napa Valley in California? Yeah, a few of you. Just to go to see the beauty of God's creation there, the vineyards, right? See how they make wine. I mean, just seems like such a beautiful part of the country. Just thought, man, it would be beautiful to go there and, and drive around, maybe drive down the coast, but to spend some time in Napa Valley, you know, where all this, this, these famous winemakers are. But you know, there's this really interesting thing about the process of winemaking. There's a few different steps in the whole process, but, but here's something that's interesting. Do you know that the two main parts of getting wine from grapes is first, there's the crushing, Then, there's the pressing. Did you know that there's two different things? There's the crushing, and then there's the pressing. So first in the crushing, they take the grapes, and they crush them, right? It breaks the skin so that the juices start to flow. Then once they do that, there's this thing called must. And it's kind of like, it's everything. It's the stems, it's the seeds, it's the, the broken skin, it's the little bit of juice all together. That's about 90% of what makes the wine. But then, and, and that's called sort of the free flow. But what that comes next is the pressing. Where they take that and they press it. To get the other 10%, to get, you know what that does? 
It gets rid of all impurities. It takes out the seeds, the skin, the stems. And that 10% is where all the subtlety and the nuances come with a glass of wine. It gets at, it's only the 10%. Why is that interesting? You know why? Because that's what Jesus does with us. He allows us to go through some crushing. Right? To break the skin. Storms of life can be scary and painful, right? But it starts those juices flowing like He's starting to get out of us what He wants from us that we would call upon Him, changing us, transforming us like they do from grapes to wine. But then, sometimes that crushing isn't enough. See, for us as precious children, He wants to go further. He wants to go deeper. He wants to press in harder to get the best out of us that there is. And so after the crushing comes the pressing. The pressing hurts more. Whatever that might look like in your life, God allows the crushing. He allows the pressing. But there is a key to making good wine. Too much pressure, too much of that pressing, and the wine becomes no good. But not enough, it's too weak. It's not really good for anything. God knows just how much crushing and just how much pressing we can take to make us the beautiful, beautiful, most aromatic, best-tasting, expensive wine that there is. And that's us. See, we're His masterpiece. So the question is, do we trust Him? He's working on us. Ask Him to give you the strength to endure the crushing, to endure the pressing, for it's out of the trials and the storms, out of the pressures and the struggles, where the new wine comes. Jesus' very first miracle that we know is when He changed the water to wine. He changed it to the very best wine. Why? Because in the Old Testament especially, wine represented joy. Jesus came and brought joy. So let's release our fears to His loving hands. Allow Him to turn our suffering to gladness, our sorrows to joy. And the Last Supper, the night before His betrayed, Jesus took the cup and He said, this cup, it was a cup of wine, He said, is a new covenant in My blood. New covenant, new wine. Grapes are good. I like grapes. During the summer you freeze them. They taste good. But you know what? But only out of the crushing do you get that wine. And then in the further pressing do you get the best, the most aromatic. Maybe you feel like life is crushing you. Maybe God wants to go even deeper. You know, it's said that in adversity, we usually want God to do a removing job. But what God wants to do is an improving job. So sometimes God will allow those storms of life to rage on for longer than we'd like, to get stronger than we think that we can even handle. But God will in His time calm the storms. He allows the crushing, sometimes the pressing, with a firm and loving hand. He does it to go deeper, to extract the best in us.
So allow God to work on you. Give Him permission to use the storms in your life, which will come, to make you a more fragrant offering to Him. To create you into the most useful, most desired creation of His that will then be attractive to others. I'm going to close us in prayer. Then what we'd like to do is just offer a time of, of worship. You don't have to stay. It'll just be worship playing and worship music. And If you need to leave, you can pray and then you can go. Just ask that you would go quietly and maybe if you want to have some time of fellowship out beyond the doors there. But if you'd like to stay and just quietly before God, just worship, maybe pray. There won't be any words on the screen. But take the time while you hear the music playing to just uh, worship, to pray. Maybe you see somebody near you that looks like that they could use somebody to pray to come alongside of them. You know, there's some of us today that are experiencing like a major storm, hurricane maybe even. How do we get through those storms? By calling upon God, recognizing He's with us, His presence. The power to overcome it is from Him and and of course His promises, but He often sends people to rescue us, doesn't He? God will send those people. Maybe you want to be that for somebody today. Maybe you need that. So feel free to leave after I pray as you need to. Just leave quietly, but you can stay if you'd like and just worship and be with Him for a little bit longer. Let me pray for us. God, we know that it's in that crushing and in that pressing that you do transform, that you create us into what it is that you want us to be. And so that's our prayer now, God, that that we would recognize that every day there's a chance of storms. You never promised that this life would be easy or even in our our walk with you, but what you do promise, which is most important, is that you will never leave us, never forsake us. You'll always be there for us. God, we couldn't ask for any more. You promise that you'll be in the boat with us. And that all we have to do is trust in you. God, we know you're not asleep at the wheel. That you know exactly what's going on. Help us, God to know that you're always there, that we're not alone. That we can trust in your power and that we can call upon your promises in your word. That we should not be dismayed or distraught, but you can lift us up with your righteous right hand. Thank you, God, that nothing can separate us from you. God, help us cling to the beautiful power of your word. And as we look forward to the light at the end of the tunnel, to that blue sky after the storm, will see how beautiful it is because of what you are doing in our lives. God, just give us the courage to let you do it through the pressing, through the crushing. God, that you would just make us into what you want us to be.